that. Amen. I'm certainly glad that he's here. Amen. That makes all the difference in the world when he comes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, God bless you. Amen. It's certainly a privilege to be here and, and an honor, really. I, I say that and I mean it. Amen. I, it's, it's my first time being able to come here to this new church. So last time we were here, you were in your uh, previous building, and it's beautiful. I just, uh, I've just all uh, today got to see it and got to tour it, and Lord's really blessed you here. And I just, uh, this church, more than the, the building, uh, more than the lights and the beauty, it's the beauty that you people have that has been such a blessing to me. Amen. And my family and an encouragement to me. Amen. Over the years, <clears throat> Brother Tim's ministry has uh, really impacted uh, myself greatly in a deep way, uh, even in, in, uh, in my earlier years, even before I was ministering and uh, preaching. Uh, Brother Tim, had a, his ministry had a great impact on me as a child, as a young man. And then throughout the years, he's, he's just been so such a blessing to our family. He's been a great encouragement to my wife, to my children, to my, my uh, I was even telling him today, my mother-in-law, amen, who streams and, and has been just uh, encouraged and blessed so much, amen. And, and I've been blessed. I'll just, I'll just confess here today, I've, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really addicted to y'all song specials. I really love them. <laughs> and I get the podcast and, and I got the different YouTube videos people make. And uh, you, do, you don't know, I think sometimes you, you're blessed here and you, you're locally blessed people. But those ministries reach all the shores of the world. Amen. And, and I've, I've seen those videos, the testimony videos that have came from this church uh, and just the different miraculous things that God has done. They've been a tremendous blessing to the bride of Christ. Uh, they've been, I've shared them around the world to different places, even at youth camps. And, and so God does something, and He doesn't just do it for you. He does it for everybody. It's a body ministry. Amen. And so we've just been blessed. Ministry, Brother Timothy, Brother Joe. We had Brother, uh, Brother Aaron recently. And man, he just blew our mind there in Buford. <laughs> And uh, he's so good, such a blessing. So if I missed anybody, all the, all the brothers here, all the different ones that labor here uh, under this ministry, I just want you to know you've been a, you have a real special place in my heart. Amen. And I know a lot of people that feel that way. Amen. So it's good to be here with you. Amen. And, and, I, and I wasn't able just, I'm here by myself, been traveling a lot here lately, but I'm just glad. Amen. As we said, I'm glad he's here. Amen. I'm glad Jesus is here. More than, the, uh, more than, uh, I'm more impressed by the atmosphere I feel than all the beauty of this building. The real beauty is the atmosphere you create. Amen. When you come to hear the word of God and to worship the Lord. Amen. And I, I just want to, uh, I just want to say again, thank you, Brother Tim, for having me. It's certainly, certainly a privilege. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. If you have your Bible, we'll turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33, I'd like to speak to you, and I, I trust that the word was a blessing to you last night, 
Amen to the young people that are at the banquet. And I just trust that something was said that would be an encouragement to you. Amen. We've got a lot on our heart this morning. And, uh, and so I just, uh, this is my last hurrah. So I'm going to, I'm going to make every second count, brother Tim. (laughs) And even if that means a lot of seconds, we're going to make every second count. Amen. But don't worry, I got a flight to catch, so I'm constrained. I'm, I'm chained there. But amen. Exodus chapter 33. I just want to speak to you on something that's really, uh, really near to my heart, really close uh, in just a personal way uh, for me. And, uh, and the Lord just began to, to, to deal with me even days before I came uh, here and, and knew I'd stand here this morning. And the Lord began to just deal with me in this direction. And so I just want you to be sensitive to the voice of the Lord uh, that would speak to you this morning. Amen. I'd like to speak to you on if God before us. Exodus 33 is where we'll begin. And it came to pass, this is verse 9. And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. The Lord spoke unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh to his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast found, also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if, that's a big word, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight. And consider that this nation is thy people. And verse verse 14, and he said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us up, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth, And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. Romans chapter 8, verse 31, just one verse of Scripture. I'll have you be seated. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What shall we say? This is at Romans 8.31. <clears throat> what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word this morning. God, we just trust and lean upon your grace. Father, would you be our helper, Lord? 
Father, I pray that you would come and do the impossible. Do what man cannot do, Lord. Father, I could prepare and study, Lord, and use the gift that you placed in my life. And I could say good things, Lord, and preach from your word. Lord, but the anointing is what makes the difference. And I pray, God, that you would take these words that I'll speak. May you not only anoint me, Lord, but may you anoint the hearers, Lord, of this word. May they worship you, Lord God, in the pulling of the word, I pray. I pray, God, that you would be glorified and be honored in this place. We ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. And you can be seated this morning. Moses comes to this place in his life and the Bible says that he's at a point in his life where he's been commissioned and he's, he's spent 40 years now in Midian knowing that he comes out of Egypt. And the Bible says that he comes through that, that stage in his life where God is not speaking to Moses and he goes 40 years in the land of Midian learning to be a shepherd. The scripture says that God brings him to this place in his life, this what we would call maybe a crossroads of his life. It was a time of decision where God had commissioned him and God had a, a vision for Moses and God had a purpose for his life. And, and so the Bible says that Moses comes to this place and he's standing on holy ground. The Bible says that he comes and God says, take off your shoes, Moses, for the ground on which you're standing is holy ground. Now we know this wasn't just a four by four uh, part of the earth or soil that was holy. It wasn't the earth that made it. It wasn't the spot of the earth or the location or the GPS location of where Moses was standing. But it was because that the presence of God was there. The ground upon which he was standing was holy. And God begins to go through with Moses and begins to say this. And I want to go over this. And if you would hold your Bible in Exodus 33, we'd like to just continue on with this. But the Bible says here, as he begins to have this conversation, and that the scripture says that Moses begins to say, Lord, uh, you know, you, you've called me, and I believe that you've purposed me. I, I, you know, I believe what you've said about me. And the Lord had said, no doubt, many things about Moses. And uh, no doubt Moses had a great calling upon his life. No doubt Moses, uh, you know, had been anointed uh, for the job. He was commissioned for what the Lord had for him. and But Moses begins to take the word that God had spoke to him and God had revealed a little bit of his plan to him and what he's going to do and the purpose that he was raising him up for. And little did Moses know everything he had ever went through in his life from the time he was a little boy, there was an anointing upon his life because anytime God has a purpose to use somebody, then God puts an anointing upon that vessel to equip them for the job and the task that God has them to do. And so Moses maybe not realizing that everything he had been through and all the experiences he could have as a child and, and, and all the experiences in the house of Pharaoh and then he goes into the land of Midian and he learns to be a shepherd and in those days when we could say God was not speaking very much and it didn't seem like that God was doing anything in his life. But, you know, many times when it seems like God is doing nothing in your life and God is silent in your life, it's 
sometimes the greatest workshop and the greatest factory that God is putting you through to equip you by experience for the job that lays right ahead of you. The Bible says that Moses has received this vision and, and God has, God has told him this, but uh, now, now God comes to Moses and he begins to give him his word and he begins to give him his instruction and what he's going to do. But Moses, even as a man, begins to, uh, you know, begins to, to look at his own life. And you notice here in the text, uh, Moses begins this conversation and he's almost wrestling with this thought, uh, that, you know, of, of God's choice uh, in himself and he's wrestling this out with God and he says Lord uh, you know I've uh, you, you know, I, I believe what you've said about me. I, I believe your word. I, I believe that you believe in me God but God I, I need it to become real to me Lord. Uh, uh, Moses said I've got to personally know Lord more than what you've said about me. I've got to know that I found grace in your sight. You see, it's one thing for you to confess what the Word of God says about you. It's an altogether separate thing to believe what the Word said about you. Because it's never the question is never the word. Moses could say, I'm a believer in the word. I, I believe what you've said. I confess what you've said, Lord. I, I, Lord, I believe what you're saying about me. I believe what the promise has said. And oftentimes it's not the issue is not believing the word. We never question the word. We believe the word because we're believers and that's what believers do. They believe. It's never the problem and the issue never comes in believing what God has promised to you. It is never you believing what the word says. The question comes not upon whom the word, not upon the word, but upon the vessel that the word that the Lord wants to use. You see, we never question the word as a, as a believer, but we question just like Moses, we question ourselves. And if we'd be honest, we look at ourselves, and this is where Moses was coming to. He was coming to a place to where he said, Lord, I believe what the word is promised. Let me get loose here. He says, I believe what the word is promised. I, I'm a believer in what you said, God, but you've called me, Lord. You've, you've chosen me, and, and I accept it, Lord. I'm not doubting it this morning. I'm not doubting what your word has said, Lord, but, but Lord, I'm doubting myself. I'm wondering, Lord, are you sure that you've made the right choice? Are you sure, Lord? I, 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 he says that you, 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 you've called me to go and deliver this people, but you've not even told me who's going to go with me. You've not even spoken and said who's going to go. And Moses is getting to this place in his life to where he comes to a spot to where he says, God, I, I can't go another day. I can't go another minute. I can't leave this place. I can't go forward in my life until I know that I know that I know that it's more than just what the word says. It's more than just a promise, but it becomes a vision and a reality to me in my own life. It needs to become a personal revelation, Lord. So I'm asking you today, I'm asking, would you make it real to me, Lord? Would you reveal it to me, God, that I may find grace in your sight? 
Moses knew that finding grace in the sight of God and finding peace in the sight of God was more than just hearing or seeing. It was more than just reading. Uh, Let me tell you, you can go to church and not have the grace and the peace of God in your life. You can hear good sermons and not have rest with God. That's what Moses' plea is. He says that I may find rest, Lord. Moses says, God says, I know you, Moses. I've called you, Moses. I know you by name. You found grace in in my sight. And, And Moses says, I know that's what you said, Lord. And I believe what you said, God. But I've got to have rest, Lord. Because to me, having the rest in my life is more important than anything. It's more important than any experience. It's more important than any sensation. To have a peace that settles your soul in the time of trouble. To have a peace that passes understanding. To have a settled heart in your mind. That you know that you know that that God is pleased with your life. That he's anointed your decisions. That he's called you and chosen you. And you're in the place where God wants you to be. Moses was saying, I've got to have that Lord more than anything else. Moses begins to go through this as we can look at it closer. He says here in verse 4, and he says, uh, says, and he said, My presence shall go with thee. This is what God, when Moses asked for who is the person, who's going to be my companion, who's going to be the person that goes with me, God said, here's the person. My presence shall go with you, Moses, and I'll give you rest. Because with the presence of God comes the rest of God. And you'll never know rest until you know the presence. You'll never know peace until you know what it means to have Him personally in your life. As we said, you could have this Bible and you could have a good church. Uh, You can have a good atmosphere. You can become into a good place but not have the rest of God in your life. And it's not in a sermon. It's not in just ink on paper. It's not in a church service. It's in one place. And that's in the presence of Jesus Christ. Moses says, I want rest. I want to know that I found grace in your sight, Lord. You see, what Moses was convinced of is that without the presence of God in his life, then everything he did was a useless, man-made attempt. Moses knew that apart from anything that God had spoken, apart from any promise that he had given him in his life, uh, Moses said, if it's not the presence of God that I'm, that, I, that is with me. If God is not for me, if, if, if there's not a personal presence, then anything I do, notice, this was, this was, God had spoken to Moses face to face. What, what greater experience can you have? The Bible says he spoke to him as a man speaks to his friend. You look at this conversation and you're thinking, Moses, God has already promised it. Moses, God has already told you. How, many, how much more do you need, Moses? There's God speaking to you face to face. But Moses says, God says, my presence will go with you. My presence will go with you. And I'll give you rest. You'd think that'd be enough. <laughs> and Moses says, Lord, that's good. That's good, your presence. But let me, just, let me make sure if I wasn't clear before. Let me make sure it's crystal clear. If you don't go, don't even send me. If you don't go, Lord, if, you're, if the anointing of God is not upon my life, 
I don't care what service I want to give. I don't care what ministry I want to go to, go through, go into. I, I don't care what I want to do for the kingdom of God. If there's not a, a real power, if there's not a real anointing, if there's not a reality of the presence of God in my life, God, Moses says, don't even send me, Lord. Carry me not up hence, Lord. Because without your presence, this is just a man-made effort. And let me say to you, unless your Christianity has the power of God and the anointing of the Spirit in it, unless you have the presence of Jesus Christ, your dress code and, and your good morals and your good integrity and your honesty will get you nowhere. Unless your, your Christianity has the presence of God, it's just a worthless man-made effort and attempt into being holy. I say, God, give me more than a dress code. Give me more than legalism. Give me more than an understanding in my mind. Give me the anointed word of God in my life. Give me something that's real, Lord. Give me a substance I can plant my faith and build my faith upon. Because it doesn't matter. The Bible says, verse 15, listen to what he says here. He says, and he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up. Hence, he was saying, Lord, if your presence doesn't go, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going forward. Lord, if your presence doesn't go with me, and sometimes we can get to such a, a spot to where we come in a rut or stuck in our life. And you, you're not going forward and you're not going backwards. You're, you don't really know where you're going. You're almost in that circle, you know, to where you just go around and around and around and around. Anybody ever felt that way in their life? But it's like you're not making any progress. You're not going anywhere. You know, it's like a traffic circle and you go into a traffic circle. You know, the point of that traffic circle is to get off of the traffic circle. You don't go around and around and around and around and around and around unless you're not from there and everyone's beeping the horn at you wondering who you are. The purpose is not of life is to not go in a circle of life. Oh, I hope you hear me today. The world's living on that circle of life. The world's chasing after that circle of life. Uh, they, they, they chase careers, they chase education, they chase a big house, then a bigger house, then a better house, a good car, a better car, a finer car, the nicest car, some popularity, some fame, some notoriety, and they don't realize they're just on a rat race. And you start your life and you go through life and you get a job and you seek a career and you go for education. But really, what does it give you at the end of that? What does money really get you at the end of the day? And you watch people, they sacrifice their lives, they sacrifice their children, they, they lose all what's important in their life, and they go round and around and around and around and around. Wake up, go to work, go to job, come home, work eight hours, come home, see the kids, you got veg on entertainment, turn on the television, get on YouTube, get on the internet. They go to bed, they wake up the next day, they, they go to work, they, they go pay the bills, they go to the job, they work the job, they get home, they say hi to the family, they get on YouTube, they add veg on entertainment, they wake up the next day, they go to work, go eight hours, clock in, clock out, come home, see the family, veg on entertainment, wake up the next day, do I need to repeat it again? They go around and around and around and around with no purpose. Uh, but I'm not here for that purpose. I'm here to be on a line of redemption. My life is called. It's chosen. It's anointed. It's going somewhere. Let me say if you're on the circle of life, get off of the roundabout. 
and get on the line of redemption. Find your purpose and your place in the kingdom of God and say, Lord, let me find my spot. Let me find my anointing. Let me find my position in Christ, Lord. Get me off that roundabout. Let me go down the line. Because there's a story, there's a drama being played out every single day, whether you're part of it or not. Moses says, Lord, if you don't go, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay right here. I, I won't take another step unless I'm assured you're with me. You want me to go forward, but I'm not going. Unless the Lord goes, I'm not going. It was desperation. I want you to catch that this morning. It was such a spot of Moses' own humanity. This is before he's at the Red Sea raising the, 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 his staff and imparting. This is before all uh, the miracles in Egypt. This is Moses being commissioned and he's, and he's questioning himself. And he's questioning his life and he's questioning this calling. He's questioning everything. And Moses says, oh God, if you don't go... I just want you to know, I want to make sure it's clear. I'm desperate. I'm like Jacob. I'm not leaving until you bless me. There's a determination. I've came to a spot in my life. I I believe I'm preaching to somebody here today. I've came to a spot in my life, Lord. I'm done with church entity. It doesn't give me nothing. I'm done with religion. It hasn't brought me anything. I'm done with just some sensation. I've got to know that I know that I know that you're with me, Lord. Moses, God says, verse 16, for wherein? Moses says, for Lord, wherein? Look at verse 16. Wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not? Notice where his confidence rested. Is it not? Is this how everyone will know? Is it not that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Notice what his testimony is to God. Lord, how will anyone know that I'm yours? How will anyone know that these are people are yours unless you're with us, Lord? Notice what he quotes. Show, so shall we be separated, I and thy people. You know what he's doing? You know what that is in that, after that question mark? That's not Moses' words. Moses didn't speak that. You know what Moses was doing? He was quoting the word of God back to God. Moses was saying, I didn't say this, Lord. You said it about me. You said I'll separate a people unto myself. You said I'm your peculiar treasure. You said I chose you above every nation, above every tongue, above every people, above every land, above everybody. You're the one who said it, God. In other words, Moses was saying this is not my word. It's your word. This is not my promise. This is your promise. I'm not the one who called me. I'm not the one who chose me. You chose me, God. I'm not the one who saved me. You saved me, oh God. I'm not even the one who was seeking you. I was going my own direction. I was going my own way. But God, who was rich in mercy, reached down his hand. And he pulled me up out of the filth of the world. And he set my feet upon a rock. You're the one who started this work, God. Moses was literally quoting the word of God back to God. Moses was saying, God, you're the one who found me. You're the one who separated me. I didn't choose you. You chose me. 
You're the one who called me. You're the one who separated me. Let me tell you something, my brother and my sister. If you're struggling accepting the promise of God in your life, you need to quote the word back to God. You need to say, Lord, I'm not the one who started this work down inside of me. And I say, if I'm not the one who started it, I'm surely not going to be the one who finishes it. If I'm not the one who put it there, Lord, you're going to have to finish what you started in my life. Glory. And I say, can you say today, Lord, finish what you started. Finish the work you put inside of me. You're the one who put a desire for the things of God down in my life. You're the one who chose me and sanctified me and filled me with the Spirit of God. Moses is quoting the word back to God. And you know what's awesome? He is the starter. And he is the finisher. You know, the one who blows the gun, you know, fires the gun at the beginning of the race. And he fires and you start the race. There's something different about this race that you're on because the same one who's blew, who fired the gun to start the race is the same person at the finish line waiting to receive you when you cross your finish line. And when you've ran your race of life and all life is over and everything's passed, there'll be the same one who started to work down inside of your heart when you accepted him as your Lord and Savior. He's the same one who's there to give you water and a cold drink when you get tired. He's the same one who lifts you up and encourages you and says, you can make it. Keep pressing, child. Keep pressing, child. You're not going to be a failure. You're an overcomer. And it'll be the same one who'll meet me if I breathe my last breath and you go in the, by the way of a grave. He's the same God who will meet you when you breathe your last breath. Oh, that's why the prophet of God said they might have died in faith, but if they went to the grave with the faith of the Son of God, they came out of the grave with the same faith, with the same expectation. Oh, Job died with the same expectation. He never seen him in his life on earth. His life seemed like a mystery. Why did this happen and why did that happen? But Job comes to a place and he says, I know my Redeemer liveth. And though the skin worms destroy this body, I shall see the Lord. You say, was that ever made a reality? It was. Brother Branham said when he went down to paradise and knocked on the door, he said there was there was Abraham as he went to the door and he seen this one. And, and then Brother Branham dramatizes and said, uh, Abraham uh, listens to the noise and says, Who, who's at the door? Brother, Brother Branham says, Abraham says, listen, Sarah, there's somebody there. Brother Branham says, Abraham goes to the door and he says he opens the door. And Brother Branham says, Abraham... His eyes got bigger, bigger. And he said, Sarah, Sarah, come here, Sarah. That's the same one who met me under the oak tree, Sarah. That's the same exact one. Brother Brandon says that Job, he says, Abraham, or Job peeked over and said, what, what's all the commotion? What's going on? He said, Job lifted up his head. And he said, there he is. He said, I knew I would see my redeemer. There's the same one who was with me in life. Ezekiel stood up and said, I seen him. He was the wheel in the middle of the wheel. Daniel stood up and said, no, he's the same one. He was the rock uh, hewn out of the mountain. 
What was it? They were all different, but it was the same Jesus to every single person, whoever he became in the reality of their life. When they met him on that day, and Jesus says, yes, brothers, it is me. Brother Benham says, he says, yes, it is me. I am the one who met you, Abraham, underneath the oak tree. I am the one, Job, who gave you a revelation down inside your heart when you couldn't see me and you couldn't feel me and it didn't, life didn't make sense. I'm the same faith that dropped inside of your soul that made you uh, to hold your faith in the time of trial. I'm the same one, Daniel, who showed up for the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm the fourth man in the middle in the fire. I'm the, I'm the one who was with the lions in the lion's den. It's the same God. My brother my sister uh, when we see him on that day he may be something different for me than he is for you and you can say there's the one who spoke to me when I was discouraged there's the one who anointed my faith to believe when I couldn't believe in spite of everything I went through there's the same God who spoke to me that's the same one who filled me with the Holy Ghost that's the same one who healed me of cancer. That's the same one who gave me uh, back my hair. What is it? To every person, he might be something different. But he's the same God. He's the same Savior. He's the same friend. He's the same father. He's the same mother. He's closer than a brother. Hallelujah. Jesus says it is me. I'm the one who you waited on. I'm the one who you prayed for. I'm the one who you prayed to. I'm the one who you've believed in. I'm the one who you've put your trust in. And it's not been in vain. You love him? Moses says, Lord, you said... I'll do this thing also thou shalt spoken for thou hast found grace in my sight and I know thee by name. You know, the first time God said this to Moses, you've found grace in my sight. Now lead this people. Moses just wasn't convinced. He goes on and he repeats himself again. Lord, if you know, if I, I know I found grace, Lord, I, I believe your word and I, you know, I, then show me your way, Lord. I just, I just can't see my way past this. I, if, if God says, my presence will go, Moses. Isn't that enough? My presence will go. I know you by name. I'm speaking to you as a friend. Uh, Moses, uh, uh, Moses says, Lord, if you don't go, then, uh, then how will anyone know we're your people? And, and Lord, if you, if you don't go, don't even send us uh, so that others may know. It was like, you know what it was like? It was like Moses needed convincing. You know what he sounds like? He sounds a lot like me. Sounds a lot like you. It wasn't enough. Moses says, Moses, he wasn't noticed. He wasn't doubting the word. He was doubting himself. The word was not his conflict. Himself. It would have been okay for God, you know, Moses, Moses, give me a break, man. Give me a break. Moses, how many times I got to tell you? I mean, I'm here speaking to you like a friend. I, my presence will go. How many times do I got to tell you? How many times I've already told you? Hold on, Lord, unless, unless you know. Hold on, unless you know. Unless you're going, Lord. Hold, just make sure I'm clear. Lord, Moses, you found grace. Lord, I know you said that. My presence will go, God. Moses, you know, I know, I know you believe that. I know, I know I believe that, God. You know what God doesn't do? God doesn't kick Moses to the side. 
God doesn't say, whatever, Moses, I'm just going to give up on you. Uh, whatever, Moses, you just can't believe my word. Uh, what, uh, saying that you found grace, I, I've said it enough, Moses. I've said it enough times. How many times am I going to have to tell you this? You know, uh, how many times am I going to have to preach it to you? God never kicks Moses to the side. God never says, I'll just find somebody else. You know what God does? God just keeps preaching him. God keeps telling him. God keeps convincing him. God keeps pouring it on you. And God doesn't look at you and say, oh, how many times? How many camps have you came to? How many altars have you been to? How many times have you believed? And you're still questioning. God says, you say, Lord, when are you going to ever give up on me? God says, I'm never going to give up on you. I don't care how far you go. I'm never going to stop telling you. I'm going to keep preaching it to you. I'm going to keep preaching it to you. Until you believe it. Hallelujah. Until you accept it, I'll keep pouring it on you, Moses. I'll keep anointing your faith, Moses. I'll keep praying. I'll keep preaching. I'll keep believing. I'll keep standing. Hallelujah. Let this be settled in your heart, Moses. I'm never going to give up on you. You might give up on me, but I'm never going to give up on you. I'm not giving up on your mama. I'm not giving up on your daddy. I'm not giving up on your children. I'm not giving up on your lost loved one. I'm never going to give up. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep preaching. And I don't care how dark and how bleak and how, how lost it looks to you, my brother and my sister. God says, I'm going to keep pouring it on you. Glory. You know what God does to the doubter? Take Thomas. Thomas. Less, less I see. Don't even, don't even tell me that. They came back to him. Although he's risen. Thomas says, don't even. Don't even go with that fanaticism and y'all just getting excited and y'all just believing. You know, I, I just, I don't even believe it. I don't care how much you, I don't care how much it is. I don't care how many miracles there are. I don't care how much you do. I, I, yeah, unless I have physical proof. Unless I have something physical. Unless I have something I could, a substance I could, I could touch. Unless I touch his hands. That's what he said. Unless I touch his side, I won't believe. And then Jesus shows up. The Bible says that Jesus doesn't say that, you know, Jesus over there hugging all the disciples and reunion and looks at Thomas. What's he doing here? That doubter doubts my word, never has faith for anything, always questioning, always wondering, always doubting. You know what God does to the doubter? He says... Come here, Thomas. Touch my hands. Go ahead, Thomas. Touch my side, Thomas. Is that what you need, Thomas, to anchor your faith? Go ahead and do it, Thomas. And let me tell you something about Jesus. God, Jesus doesn't kick out the doubter. He doesn't quick kick out the one who can't have faith. God says, I'll meet you at whatever level of faith you can give me. I reveal myself and come down no matter how I've got to condescend myself. I'm not going to kick you aside. I'm going to say, touch my hands. If that's what you need, go ahead. Reach out and touch them, Thomas. Because I'm never going to kick you out, Thomas. Because there are no outcasts in my kingdom. There are no orphans. There are no uh, uh, outcasts and, and strangers in my house. There's only family. And you're my family even if you doubt. Even if you don't have faith. Even if you're struggling to believe. 
even if you're struggling, Moses, my presence will go. I'll be with you. You found grace in my sight, regardless of what you, regardless of what happens. Let me tell you something, my brother and my sister, regardless of what you feel like, you may feel like a doubter. You may feel like a person who can never attain. No matter how you feel like in your body, no matter how much you feel like in your mind, you're anointed to believe the word of God. You're called to believe the word of God. You're chosen to believe the word of God. You're a believer. It's down inside of you. It's down inside of you to believe the word of God. Lord said unto Moses in verse 17, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. For thou has found grace. And I know thee by name. What was wrong with Moses' faith? Why couldn't he just accept the word? I'd have to go round and round, round and round and round and round. What was Moses' dilemma? Why did he struggle so much? Why did he doubt so much? I'm going to tell you why. Because Moses understood something that we need to understand today. Moses understood and he knew this one thing. It wasn't his stature. It wasn't his ability. It wasn't his money. It wasn't his gift. It wasn't his, his, his etiquette. It wasn't how well he spoke. Because he couldn't even speak. He stammered. It wasn't anything about Moses that made Moses special. Moses understood he could have no confidence in the flesh. Moses knew, why is Moses questioning? Where is his dilemma coming from? Do you realize where where his dilemma starts? It's because he knows himself. He knows who he is. He knows his mistakes. He knows... His faults and his failures, he's all too familiar. He's, he's all too much reminded of all his inadequacy. He knew, Moses knew something. There's popular people. There's gifted people. There, there's people that are strong and powerful and, and, and you know, could just, uh, just accept it and, and real leaders. And, and, you know, they just stand out above everybody else. And there it is. You know, they're just special. But Moses knew there's nothing, Lord. There's nothing. It's not my stature. It's, 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 not, it's not, not my intellect. It's not anything. Moses understood it. It's not my, it's, it's, it's nothing. The only thing that makes me different is that God is for me. The only thing that separates me from everybody else apart from all the other nations there was nothing special about Israel there was nothing unique they weren't more handsome and more beautiful uh, they, they, they weren't more gifted than everybody else they were dirt daubers brother Branham called them living in tents going from place to place go look at the seed line of Cain and the seed line of Seth it was Cain's lineage who was smart and educated and builders of cities and, and great, uh, great gifted people it was Seth it was the line of God that never really had anything in life never had really any earthly possessions they were farmers they were simple people and Moses says there's Lord there's nothing There's not much that separates. Let me tell you something to you, my brother, my sister. You're a believer and you're elected. And you're the bride of Christ, but only by grace. It's only by grace that you believe what you believe and you can stand and say what you say. 
It's not because of your special. It's not because you're greater. It's not because you're bigger. It's not your stature. Oh, other churches have great programs. They have great dramas. They, they have great articulate speakers. They have even prettier churches than the one we're standing in. They have great vestibules with coffee houses and, and they, they serve donuts and, and lattes and espressos and then a great handsome speaker uh, articulate and carries the sermon. They have great dramas and great plays. It's not our beauty that separates us from the rest of the world. It's not our programs. It's not our churches. It's not how gifted, though we have good gifted people, good gifted preachers, the best in the world in my opinion. But that's not what makes you unique. The only thing that makes you unique is that you've got the presence of God in your life. And let me tell you, they can have their coffee shops. They can have their donuts. They can have their espresso. Give me the presence of God. Give me the anointing Holy Ghost fire that breathes and lives and is is pleased to be in my church. You can take all your programs. You can take all your, your beauty and your might. But give me God. Give me Jehovah. Give me a real word. Give me a living God. Moses says it's the only thing that separates me is the presence of God is that God is for me. That God lives here. That God dwells here. Moses says you can take the tabernacle. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Scarlet and and robes and red and, and purple and all kinds of fine linen. It was robed in diamonds and jewels and silver and silver and gold, laced in gold, wrapped in gold, a brazen altar, the the, the laver, the menorah, all of the beauty. Moses says, but really, what do you have if you take away the presence of God? What do you have? What's left? A pretty building, pretty curtains. Pretty bells, pretty whistles. Moses says, you see, this tabernacle may be beauty, but it's not its curtains that make it beautiful. It's not its silver. It's not even its gold. It's not even its gifts. It's not even the menorah. It's not the altar. It's that there's a little room down there on the backside, and the Holy Spirit comes and anoints the mercy seat. It's not the building. It's who's in the building. That's what makes it powerful. That's what makes the difference. That's what makes the difference, I said. It's not how good of a sermon I preach or how intellectual, how good I lay it out or how good you preach it. It's one thing that the Word of God becomes anointed by the Holy Spirit for you to have faith to believe it. Moses says it's not. What do you you have? you, You know what it means? You know what that means to me? That means that if you trade the presence of God for anything, if we trade, then the message trade the presence of God for good speakers and intellectual men and and some educated person. I don't care if we trade it for for anything. I don't good good music, good singing, good, good instruments, love all those things. If we trade it for intellect. 
If we trade it for eloquence, if we trade it for education, if we trade it for any kind of outside beauty, if you trade the presence of God from the message of the hour, you have lost everything. Because that's the only thing that makes you different. Or let me say it this way, the, the most important thing that makes you different. And if you trade it for anything, Moses says other nations, they rule their country. Uh, they, they, I don't care how other churches receive their leadership. I don't care how other nations run their countries. I, I don't care how they form their war strategies. I don't care how they have their leaders and their generals and their governments. I don't care how they direct their armies. Moses said we operate on one thing, and that's the spirit of the Lord. We don't have M1 tanks. We don't have Black Hawk helicopters. We don't have some great massive army, but we have the living God. We have the presence of God, and I'm not going to trade that for anything. I'm not going to trade it for any program or any gift or any talents. Give me the real presence of Jehovah. And that'll make the difference. Because if he's not, take all the colors, take the tent, take the, take the silver, take the gold, take the menorah, take the badger skin, take everything. But if you remove that presence, that pillar of fire that comes down from heaven and abides... In that holiest of holies. If you take that away. What are you left with? Take all the doctrines. Oh let me preach here just for a moment. Take all the doctrines. Take all the fancy cliches we have. Take it all. Uh, Take all the dress code. Good dress code. Good people. Take take all of the good preaching. Uh, Take everything. Take all of that away. What are you left with? What are you left with if you take the presence of God? Good preachers, yeah. Good doctrine, yeah, hey. I mean, good stuff, really interesting. Really. I mean, hey, you know, mentally. What do you have? Good hunting stories. Really good ones, man. Amazing, incredible. Good pictures of what God did yesterday. You have good stuff. You have good people, good morals. I mean, good dress code, good to dress right. You have all of that good people, good doctrines, you know, good mysteries, good things. But if you take God and you take the reality of a living Savior, if you take the power of the blood out of the church, if you take it out of our preaching and out of our doctrines and out of what we believe and out of what we preach and out of our dress code, if you remove the presence of God out of your dress code and, and your long hair and your long dresses and you don't smoke and you don't drink and you don't do this and you do all those things, if you take and remove the presence of God from that, it's nothing more than a man-made effort. But let me just declare today, give me Jesus. Give me the presence of God. Don't just give me the stories of what happened. Give me those stories in my own life. Don't just give me a God of history. Give me a God of today. Give me a God who can anoint my faith today to believe my word for my day. Give me, show me my position in Christ. Show me my position in God. Show me my place. Moses says, take it all. Let the nations trust in their mighty armies. Let them trust in their iron chariots. Let them trust in their great generals and their skilled soldiers and their new weapons. 
and will trust in the name of the Lord. David said, you came to me with a sword sword and a spear. I came to you in the name of the Lord. Because David was willing to use what he had in his hand. Say, how do I get all this? How do I get to that spot? Brother Matt, I've got to a place to where I feel like Moses. I'm stuck. I, I really can't go forward. I'm not going forward. I'm not going backwards. Let me just stop here for a moment. I, 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 can't, I can't see, uh, you know, the curve ahead of me. I, I don't know what to make. I don't know what to do. But here's what I can tell you. You must go forward. You can't stop. You can't stop. You can't pause. You can't hesitate. You'll rust out. Let me tell you what you got to do in order to go forward. You might feel like you're in a rut today. You may feel like you've came to a crossroads in your life. Let me tell you what you got to do. You got to learn to start where you're standing right now. You got to learn to start where you currently are. And I don't care where you are. I don't care how bad your condition is. I don't care how bad your circumstances are and what you what you can name me. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Just start where you're standing. What can you do, Moses? Why Christ speak? Go forward, Moses. Can't stop there. You get, you, the, red, the Pharaoh's army's closing in on the, on the other side. The Red Sea's in front of you. You notice they were pinched. God intentionally put them in this spot. It wasn't a bad wrong turn by Moses. It was God who led them by, to, between Amigdal, Pirahath, the two mountains that were on left and right side. Those were a, it was, it was a, a pinch point where they couldn't go forward. There was a Red Sea in front of them. Pharaoh's army was coming behind them. But let me tell you something. God put them in that spot in their life. And they get to the place to where they know we, we can't go forward. We can't go backwards. We can't go left. We can't go right. Uh, what are we going to do? We, we don't, we, 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 we've came to this spot in our life where I don't know how to go backwards. I don't know how to go forward. Notice this wasn't just a hundred people. This was thousands of people. They had to cross. And they're huddled up in all their holy huddle and all their praying. And God says, why cry unto me? Speak that the people go forward. Moses could say, what am I going to do? What could he do? Let me tell you what he had to do. He had to start where he was standing. Everyone's looking for something way out in the distance. Everyone's looking for somewhere way up in the, uh, down the road. You know, at camp meeting or at this camp or uh, when I get this thing, when this certain condition happens, you know, our, our expectation is always what's lying ahead. Are, are you with me here? Our expectation is always looking ahead. You know, what's going to, it's always looking off into the distance. You know, well, well, when this happens, I'll I'll do it when this happens. Or, you know, if this this lines up and if this happens and, and it works out this way. But let me tell you what a famous man once said. He said, big doors swing on small hinges. It doesn't take a big hinge to swing a big door. You might have a big red sea in front of you, but just a little bit of faith in the word of God. Let God anoint that faith and nothing's impossible. You start where you're at. You have to start where you're standing. You can't wait down the road and what circumstances to change. Not when things get better. Not if things were different. Start 
where you're standing. How do I go forward? The impossible is in front of me. Giants are in front of me. Mountains are in front of me. It's an impassable river. It's a raging river. If I jump in, I'm going to sink. You know what you also got to do? You got to learn to use what you got. You got to learn to use what God has already given you. We're always looking for some great or some sensation. You know, uh, uh, you, you take Shamgar. Even here was a man, uh, you know, one of the, the, the Bible in Judges chapter 3 speaks of this man. Who the Philistines year after year, they would plunder him. They would take, Shamgar never had anything good. Seemed like he could never get ahead. Seemed like he's always struggling. You know, it was always just one battle after the next and he'd, he'd store up and he'd stock up and he'd just go to watch some, some enemy. Uh, you know, because that's what the Bible says the devil is. He's a thief and he's a robber. Jesus says the thief cometh to steal and to destroy, but I come that they might have life. And that thief comes to rob Shamgar. Comes to rob you of your joy, rob you of your praise, rob you of your life, rob you of your health, rob you of your happiness. Because that's what the devil does. He's a thief. And he takes what ain't his. Shamgar says, year after year after year, could never get ahead. Always just empty cabinets, empty pantry. Never had nice things for his family. Never had nice things for his children. Could always, was always just being taken from. But let me tell you something. Shamgar's one day, Brother Branham said, he heard the sound of those 600 soldiers. Could you imagine 600 men and you're one? Just you. And your record isn't very good. You lost, you fought, you lost, you fought, you lost, you fought, you lost, lost, L, L. Uh, Wins and losses, zero wins and 65 losses. Year after year he had lost. Day after day he had lost. I don't care how long you've been losing, how many years you've been losing, how many years you say I've lost the battle, how many times and how many L's. God says there's coming a victory in your life. There's coming a W in your life. All you got to do, Shamgar, quit looking to, at your resources because you ain't got nothing. You ain't got much. You ain't got many options. You ain't got many options. A plan A, plan B, plan C. I ain't even got a plan A. I ain't got nothing. But you got to use what you got, Shamgar. Got to use what's in your hand, David. Got to use what's in your hand, Shamgar. Ain't got many options. Your your, your odds are completely stacked against you. 600 demon spirits would come to his family and take just like they did the year before. They were going to take everything that he had. But one day, you know what? One day something happened to Shamgar. Something changed in Shamgar's mind. And Shamgar stood up and said, you know what? This is my farm. This is my house. Those are my soybeans. This is my cabinets. That's my wife. Oh, come on, somebody. One day, Samgar said, that's mine. My family is mine. My children are my inheritance. God wants me to prosper and be in hell. This is my body. This ain't the devil's body. This is my mind. This is my thoughts. This is my eyes. 
Shamgar says, this is my house and the devil's taken everything I got. So you know what Shamgar said? Shamgar said, I'm not going to wait for my circumstances to change. I'm not going to wait for the situation to be different. I'm going to start right where I'm standing. And I'm going to choose to fight right here. Where? Down the road at camp. Down the road at this meeting. Down the road at this spectacular. No. Shamgar says, I'm sick and tired of losing and losing and losing. I'm going to fight the devil right here. Because I'm going forward in my life. I'm going forward in victory. I'm getting off of the roundabout. I'm getting off of the circles. I'm going to go forward in my life. And Shamgar says... I'm going to fight right here. Notice, no plan. He didn't draw up some schematic with a general. He, he didn't have a plan. He didn't even take time to really think about it. And sometimes you need to quit thinking about it. Quit trying to plan it. Quit trying to orchestrate it. Quit trying to manipulate it. Just believe what the word has said. Start right where you're standing. Shamgar says, no decision. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, Samgar says, you know what I'm going to do? I might not have much, but I'm going to use what I got. I'm going to use what I've got. And all that he had was an ox goad. An ox goad. A long stick. With a little blade at the very end of it. With a rope tying the blade to the stick. That's all it was. An ox goad? That's your weapon of choice? That's all I've got. That's all I've got. Man, I mean, I, you know, I, I know M1 Abrams tank. You know, could you imagine if you 600 ISIS, you know, fighters were coming to your house. You were one man. Put yourself in Shamgar's shoes here for a moment. Ain't got no, that's what I would, I would want. You know, give me a great army. Give me the seals. Give me, man, give me the, give me the, the experts. Give me, you know, some kind of a commando. I, I need, these are 600 trained soldiers, trained devils coming to take my life. How, how would you think if you had to feel that way? Where's my choppers? Where's, where's my army behind me? He didn't have any of that. But here's what he had. God was for him. Amen. And Shamgar said, if God is for me, what shall I say to these things? If God is for me, who shall stand against me? If God is for my life and in my life, what shall I say to these things? You got a cancer, you got a disease, you got a jobless situation, you got a broken home, uh, maybe a broken mind. Uh, Say, what shall I say to these things? If God be for me, uh, what can stand against me? Take what's in your hand, Shamgar. Take that ox code, Shamgar. God put something. God asked Moses, what's in your hand, Moses? Uh, A stick? Hope that's what he was expecting to be in my hand. A, 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 A stick? God says, all right. Take what's in your hand, Moses, and throw it on the ground. You see, it's not what's in the stick. 
It's the anointing that I'm about to put on that something that everyone else would have looked at as insignificant and it was valueless and no one would have ever even thought of an ox code because it wasn't the ox code. It was the supernatural anointing of God that would anoint the power of what he already had in his hand. And he was going to quit looking for something. Moses, God says, Moses, it's not what, it's not the stick. It's the anointing of what I'm about to do to that stick. And you may not feel like you have much. You may not even feel like you have much faith. But I'm going to anoint what little bit of faith that you've got. I'm going to anoint what little bit of hope that you got. It may look bleak. It may look dark. But I'm going to anoint that ox goad. I'm going to anoint that, that slingshot, David. I mean, it's not going to be your ability or your power. It's going to be because there's an anointing. I'm for you, Shamgar. Well, you just realize that for a moment, Shamgar. I, God, Jehovah, the creator of the heavens and the earth. I'm for you. And if I'm for you, there ain't no devil in hell. There ain't no scheme of Satan. There are no plans. That's why Paul said, I'm persuaded that neither height, nor depth, nor tribulation, nor things past, nor what happened yesterday, nor what can happen tomorrow. No tribulation, no torment, no sorrow, no thing I lost. Nothing shall separate me. For if God be for us, who can be against us? Shamgar, take what's in your hand. Moses took that same stick. Lifted it up, planted it on the shores of that Red Sea and the waters. Parted, as David said, like a heap. They stood up left and right. And Israel walks on dry ground. What was it? God was taking what he already had. Did you catch it? It's what he already possesses. Stop looking at what you don't have. The miracle is not in what you don't have. The miracle is in what you already possess. Oh, can you believe that, my brother and my sister? Stop looking for what you're waiting for. God says it's already in your hand. You already have it. You're already a possessor of it, Shamgar. Stop looking at what's coming down the road, Shamgar. Stop looking. You you may only have a little bit of faith, but you may only have one Bible verse. Maybe one quote, one sermon. Maybe you only had one little thing that happened to you. Maybe just one verse, but let that verse become anointed. And that verse will wreck the devil's kingdom. Take just one something small that looks insignificant to everybody else. But let God's anointing fall on that one chapter. One little ox goad. He slays 600 men. Something that everybody else looked at as insignificant and everyone else overlooked. Someone has said, well, Shamgar ain't got nothing, man. He's just lost. I mean, it's just over. He ain't got, ain't got, just got a little stick. All the odds are against him. Let me tell you what he did. He took what he had and it became a weapon of mass destruction. Take what's already in your hand. Moses, I've already given you a vision. You know what's so important that you have in serving God? That you have more than a promise. More than just a scripture, but you have a vision for what God is doing in your life. Do you know, I just want to preach here just for a moment. The Lord inspired me just this morning to, to go this direction. Now, it wasn't even on my notes. And the Lord said it's important, not just that you have a promise. Good, good to have a promise. Good to believe it. 
But you've got to have a vision. Moses was saying, Lord, let it become a reality. Let me be able to have a vision of what you're going to do in my life, Lord. Uh, How do I go forward? I've I've got a promise, but I need a vision of what God is doing. And you know what? Once you get that vision, you've got to hold it before you at all times. You've got to constantly remember your purpose. You've got to constantly remember your vision and hold it always before you. Don't get distracted. Hold it in front of you. Moses had a promise. And he believed the promise of God. But he needed something else in order. And Moses said, I need a vision of it, God, for myself. I need it to become real to me. It's not good enough to be real for your pastor. Not good enough to be real for the preacher. Not good enough to be real for your mommy or your mother or your father. It's got to become real to you. That's how you go forward. The vision becomes real to you. You need a vision of what God's bringing to you. You have prayers. You have needs, things you're praying about here. Maybe maybe things, requests that you're holding before God. Maybe needs that you're praying about. Maybe something that you've been looking for. Maybe things for yourself personally you're wanting God to do in your life. And you're praying, Lord, if you would do this. Maybe it's not you. Maybe someone else. Maybe your son or your daughter or your, your parents or your, uh, maybe one of your relatives. Maybe for your marriage or your spouse or uh, your circle of family or whoever it is. Never get discouraged on where you're standing right now. Are you listening? Never let the devil focus you so much on the circumstance of now. But catch the vision of what God's going to do. You can't look at certain certain, uh, current circumstances. You'll become discouraged maybe. But if you hold a vision of what God's going to do in your life, because you know what a vision is? A vision is is an image. It's a picture that God gives you. Not what's now, but what's going to be. It's it's something, a revelation that strikes your heart of what's lying ahead. Though you may not know what's lying ahead and exactly how you're going to get there. Maybe you're looking at your current circumstance and go, God, I believe you're going to bring me to it. But looking at it for everything I can see, Lord, I'm not too, I'm not too, too sure about it. But you know what? You know who gives a vision? God gives a vision. God gives a vision. And when God is going to do something, he'll give you a vision of what God's going to do in your life. And you've got to believe that vision. You've got to hold it up before you. You've got to look at the promises of God. Even if your life doesn't match it and say, I believe you're going to bring me to it, God. He gives you that picture. You have a promise. You believe the word, but then God gives you and makes it real to you. Even before you built this church, Brother Tim told me, even before he built this church or ever started construction or ever planted or, or cleared the, pro- or, uh, you know, laid the first uh, foundation stone, he had a vision in his mind. And it was a purpose. It was what drove him. Said he told me he had a vision of that sign that's out there on the road. But you know what? That sign wasn't there. There was no fly. There was nothing there. Just some dirt. Didn't look like much of nothing. But he had a vision before his heart. And God anointed. What was that vision? It was his inspiration. It was his, it was his purpose. And it drove him. And you're literally living, standing in a vision. Do you realize that, my brother, my sister? You're living in a vision of a purpose. And you hold that vision before you. 
Even before Israelites could go into Canaan, God had promised them the promised land. He had given the promise, I'm going to give, I swore it unto your fathers. I'm going to give it to you. And that promise became real, but God said, I'm going to give you more than a promise. I'm going to send 10 spies over there and they're going to bring back fruits from the land. What was it? It it changed from a promise to a vision. Because now they could taste the grapes and now they can taste the fruits and look at the size of the, of the fruits. Look at the size of the grapes. The Bible says, Jesus, for the joy that was set before him. Is that what the word says? That for the joy that was before him, he literally held the joy. He endured the cross because he had a vision of what was coming after the cross. <laughs> Brother Brandon says, who was that joy? You were that joy. I was that joy. You were the image he had in his mind. That's how he endured the suffering. That's how he endured the cross. Because the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. It was the picture of what laid before him. Oh, if you know where you're going and you have a vision of what God's doing in your life, you, you won't get discouraged no matter what your right now looks like. Because you can see ahead to tomorrow. You have a vision. Maybe not of, maybe, maybe it doesn't. You know what it means? It doesn't matter what my today looks like. It doesn't matter what my current situation looks like. I know where I'm going. I, I know what God is bringing me to. I know what he's going to do in my life. I'm going to take what's in my hand. I thought of the sister who was healed here in your church, Brother Tim. Watch that testimony video. It's just, just wonderful, restoring the glory. And, and I watched the, the image of how she took those little uh, bobby pins, the little hairpins. You know what she was doing? She was taking what was in her hand. She was using what she had and she had a vision. Uh, not of a bald head, but of a flowing hair. She held it before her and believed and God anointed that faith. And she's living in the vision of what wasn't, but what now is. You take what's already in your hand and you hold it before you. You may be in a sick body here tonight. You may be in a sick body. You think of Joshua. And Joshua comes to Jericho. Great walled city. Couldn't go forward. Couldn't go backwards. You know what God says? God says, Joshua, see. It's the very first words of the chapter. See. S-E-E, comma. See, I have given you Jericho. Now hold on. I'm still looking, God. Ain't giving it to me. I mean, there it is standing, you know, tall mountains, tall walls, can't get past them. But what was God trying to do? God was trying to say, Joshua, don't look at you right now. See, Joshua. S-E-E. I need you to catch a vision, Joshua. I don't want you to look at that Jericho in your life. I don't want you to see the walls. Don't see the disease. Don't look at the impossible. When you see Jericho, I want you to see walls that are crumbling to the ground. I want you to see walls that have fallen in your life. I want you to envision it, Joshua, and start walking towards the vision, Joshua. Don't look at those walls, Joshua. See, I've given you Jericho. It's already yours. See, I've given it to you. You know, Brother Branham said it this way. 
He says, you know, standing before me right now, comes to a prayer line. He says, standing. Now, sister, you're sick. He said, you, you got that disease in your life. He said, standing before me right now over there is a sick woman. He said, but standing right here is a healed woman, whole and, and perfect without that disease. And he said, they're both standing before me right now. He says, now, sister, you start walking towards that healed whole body. What was he doing? Catch the vision of what you can't see, Shamgar. Don't look at the empty cabinets that you never had anything. But I want you to see a family that has the love of God. I want you to see a restored marriage. I want you to see a a saved loved one. I want you to see your child filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, their hands might be down right now. Their head may be down right now. I want you to envision them lifting their hands and praising the Lord and shouting before God. If you can just catch the vision. It may look stony-hearted right now. They may look disinterested right now. may look like they're all addicted to all kinds of things. and It looks impossible. But see, I've given you your children. I've given you your home. I've given you your marriage. I've given you peace. I see a sick body, but I see a well body. Start walking towards your well body. Brother Brandon says... He says, imagine, that's his words, imagine a well body and start walking towards it. Because God's for you. And I say, if God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, what can stand in our way? What devil can hold my children? If God be for me, what shall stand against me? What devil can lie to me and give me depression? If God is for me, who can be against me? I don't care how impossible it was. He had to look into the promise. He had to look at what God was doing. God says, this is, this is, this is, where, the, this is where it comes from. Moses, if you could display that. Brother, this is, this is the promise. I'm going to give you, I forgot it in the back, just advance it for me, if you could. He says, I'm going to give you the same promise I've given to every other son of God, that I'm for you, Moses. And if God's for you, that's all you need. All you need is the presence of God. You've got to start where you're standing and take what's in your hand. Don't look for some super. Don't look for something over here, some great expect, great thing around the corner. Start with what you got. may not look like much, but much as little as much when God is in it. may not look like much. didn't look like much to even Abraham. You look at this scripture here as they get it ready here. God tells Abraham in Genesis chapter 21 verse 22. uh, You don't have to turn. We have it on the screen for you. This is the promise God made to Abraham. He said, Abraham, it came to pass at that time that Elimelech uh, and Philcol, the chief captain of the host, spake unto Abraham saying, God is with thee in all that thou doest. This was the testimony of everyone around Abraham. Even if he couldn't see it for himself, the whole world could see your God's with you, Abraham. And God's presence was so evident in Abraham's life that God was for him. Even the heathens around him 
could recognize the difference between their life and his life. The Bible says your God is with you. You know what this heathen king is saying? He's saying, Abraham, there's something different about you. Anybody ever said that about you? Something different about you because God guides you. He preserves you. He blesses you wherever you go. Why? God is for me. Uh, look, look at this next example here. Even Joshua. Uh, the Bible says about Joshua. Uh, God gives Joshua this promise and says, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, notice the promise. So I will be with you. Here was Joshua. The Bible says no enemy's going to stand before you. Because when God's presence is with you, nothing can stand before you. There shall not any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses. You know what God is saying here? You can be strong and you can be courageous, Joshua. Not because of yourself, not because of your ability, not because of your talent. Here's why you can be strong and courageous. I will be with you. And God says, I will not fail thee. You notice what it doesn't say? It doesn't say you will never fail me. Oh, come on, somebody. It doesn't say you're never going to fail me. This promise was never based on you failing. Are you not failing? God said, it's not that you'll never fail, Joshua, but I'll never fail. You might become unfaithful. I'll never become unfaithful. I'll never fail you. You're going to fail a hundred times. Glory. You're going to fail, Joshua. You're going to fail times in your life. But hold on to this promise. I'll never fail you. And I'll never forsake you. So we learned last night, I'll never forget you. You may forget me and walk a million miles away from me, Jacob, but I'll never fail you. Look at Gideon. God told Gideon, the Lord is with thee. Thou mighty man, this is the angel of the Lord, appeared unto him and said unto him, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Now notice what he says, go in this thy might. That's what God tells Gideon. Go in this, my might. I'm, I'm, I'm scared. I'm behind a, you know, pressing a, a threshing a, on the threshing floor. I'm hiding from everybody. I'm asking, where's all the miracles? I, you know, I, I, I'm hiding from, from the enemy. God says, no, no, you don't understand. You got to understand something, Gideon. There's got to be a switch in your mind, Gideon. Go in this thy might. The Lord is with thee. Thou mighty man of valor. I'm not saying you're a mighty man of valor because of anything of you, Gideon. It has nothing to do with you. Here's why you're a mighty man of valor. Don't get it backwards. The Lord is with you. And because the Lord is with you, go in this, thy might. God says to Jeremiah, notice here what he says here to Jeremiah, I'll make thee, notice, unto this people a finched, brazen wall, and they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee, for I am with thee. Do you understand the key here? 
for any of these men. It had nothing to do with them. It wasn't their stature. It wasn't their ability. It wasn't their talent. God said, I can't even use the stature of Saul. But I'm going to take a man after my own heart because I can be with that man. And because I'm with thee. He says, Jeremiah, because I'm with thee, I am with thee to save thee and deliver thee. Thus saith the Lord. Saith the Lord. Notice what he says to Jeremiah. The entire nation is going to turn their back on you, Jeremiah. The whole nation. Everybody's going to turn against you. They're going to reject your prophecies. But God promised they'll fight against you. But they shall not prevail against you. Because when because I'm with you, when they come against you, they're coming against me. And the devil doesn't have any clue when he comes against the family of God. All nations, nation doesn't understand it. Assyria and, 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 and Iraq and Iran, all these nations don't understand. It isn't Israel they have to worry about. It isn't their F-18 jets and their superior military. A little bitty minuscule nation uh, the, of the people of the Jews. It isn't them that they need to be scared for. But God says, when you mess with Israel, you mess with me. When you touch Israel, you're touching me. God says, you're the apple of my eye. You know what the apple of your eye is? The apple is that thing. Look in the mirror. It's that iris right there. God says, when you poke and you touch Israel, you're touching my iris. (laughs) Watch what happens when you touch somebody's eyeball. You get a knee-jerk reaction so fast, it's automatic. And God says, they're the apple of my eye. You mess with Israel. And God says, you're the elected, blood-bought, blood-washed church. And when you touch my church, you're touching me, Satan. When you mess with them, when you mess with my family, you're messing with the daughter of God. You're messing with the son of God. And you're messing with the king. Because I am with you. Nothing will stand in your way. God tells Isaiah. And God says this of Isaiah. Notice what he says here. He says, when thou passest through the waters. This is a promise. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee when thou walkest through the fire. The fire? When you walkest through the fire, the flood, the water. Thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. This was a special promise that God makes to his children, not just to Isaiah, but to every son or daughter of God. God says, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by name. You are mine. You're my purchased possession. And when you pass through the water, I'll be with you. Through the rivers, that won't overflow you. Through the fire, you'll not be burned. Uh, Fear not, for I am the Lord God. For I am with thee. You know what God was saying? God was saying, my presence is going to be so strong with you that you can go through the flood and you won't drown. You can go through the fire and you won't be burned. You can go through anything in your life. Because I'm with you. If God be for us, who can be against us? Can that anoint your faith in that situation, my brother? Can it anoint your faith, mother? Can it anoint your faith, father? 
Can you say today by an uplifted hand, Lord, nothing's impossible because if God is for me, nothing can be against me. Oh, that's what the voice told Brother Branham. Nothing will stand in your way. The never failing presence of Jesus Christ will be with you all the days of your life. And the same promise that stands with you today and is anointing your faith to believe. Nothing will stand in your way. I, though a host should encamp against me. I, though my enemy shall come against me. I, I, in this will I be confident. If God be for me. And come what may. And a lot may come. And a lot may come in your life. A lot may come down my road. Down my road. Down down just the road. I don't know what lays ahead. But here's what I know. Many things about tomorrow I can't seem to understand. But I know who holds my tomorrow. And I know who's holding my hand. And no matter what comes my way, no matter what befalls me, no matter what troubles in my life, I can say if God be for me, uh, who can stand against me? If God anoints my faith, who can stop me? Oh, believe it, young person. Stand to your feet and say, God, anoint my faith to believe your word. Take what I've already got in my hand. And let me start where I'm standing. Oh, bow your heads with me here this morning, musicians. Start where you stand. If God be for me, who can be against me? If God, if his promises. Maybe you can say today, by an uplifted hand, Lord. I'm just like Moses, God. I'm no different. I see my humanity. It's not your word that I question. It's not your promises, Lord, that I'm wondering about. It's me, Lord. It's when I look at me. It's when I look at my faults. When I look at my inadequacy, my insufficiency. Sometimes I doubt it. Sometimes I I wonder and sometimes I don't have the faith I should. Sometimes I take the wrong attitude. Sometimes I'm like Gideon. I'm hiding. Sometimes I'm like Thomas. I'm looking. Lord, it's not me. It's not your word, Lord. It's, It's me, Lord. But you know, the Bible says, Sarah had a secret. The, the Bible says in, that Sarah, by faith, received a child even after she was past age. 99 years old, Abraham. 99 years. It's almost like God waited till that 100, just that took 99%. When you were 99% gone, when it 99% looked hopeless, when it was 99% helpless, when you were 99% gone and you couldn't hold on, God said, Abraham, you're 99, but I'm going to meet you right now. I'm going to give you a promise right now, Abraham. I'm going to give you a promise, Sarah, when you seem like you're about to lose everything. I'm going to anoint your faith. And God makes them a promise. And they had a promise. But every time Sarah, though she believed it, maybe accepted it, 
But you know what Sarah's trouble was? It wasn't the word. It wasn't the promise. Sarah's trouble was the same trouble you got. Every time she went in that bathroom and turned on the lights and looked in the mirror, what stared back at her was all of her imperfections, all of her inadequacy, all of her failures, all of of what she can't do, all of what she didn't have, all of what was yesterday, all of what she couldn't make, all all of what she couldn't get. Everything that looked at her in in the mirror just was a, it was, it was a blow to her faith. She seen sagged uh, 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 skin, eyes and, and her face and her shoulders would droop. And, and she seen the wrinkles and, and the stooped shoulders and the age that was stricken in her body. But she believed the promise, but she looked in the mirror and seen herself. And there was the conflict. But the Bible says Sarah learned a secret. And the Bible says, Sarah, what was your secret? You say, Sarah, how did you overcome? You received a child when it looked impossible. When it looked like you would never make it. Looked like everyone had given up on you. Even you give up on yourself. Oh, it's one thing for everyone to give up on you. It's another thing when you've just given up on yourself. And you think it's hopeless. And you look and say, I just I don't even know what's going to happen. But Sarah, how did you do it? How did you do it, Sarah? Sarah said, here's how I do it. Here's how I did it. I stopped judging myself and I started judging him. And the Bible says that when she judged him, she judged him faithful. And the Bible says, here's what Sarah said, that he that started the work, that he who made the promise, that he, not me, that was my secret. He, not me was able to keep his word. And what am I looking at today? Sarah said, I didn't look at my, I didn't look at my stoop shoulders. I stopped looking at the mirror of the world and I started looking at the mirror of God's word. And when I did, I seen a different lady. I seen a different image. I seen a different vision. I seen a vision of an overcomer. I seen a vision of being on fire and zeal and passion in my life. I seen a happiness and a joy in the midst of all my sadness and gloom and doom. I seen faith when there was fear. I seen love when there was malice. I seen a vision of a promise. And I believed he who made the promise was more than able to keep his promise. And you need to take that promise. I don't care what it is for you in your life, your children, your home, your life, your mind, your body, your spirit. And you need to say, God, I'm gonna, I'm done judging all my problems and all my faults and all my failures and all my inadequacies. I'm gonna look at what the word says about me. And when I look at the word, here's my testimony. You are able, God. You are faithful, God. You are more than enough, God. You're able to accomplish it, God. I believe it. I'm gonna stand on your word. Oh, can you do that? Raise a hand to God and say, I'm gonna judge you faithful, Lord. Because you're the one who promised. I didn't make this promise. You made it God. And you've got you've to finish the work that you started. Oh, grant it, Lord Jesus, to every life, every hand that's raised, every, every life, Lord, that's affected here today by the words that we've spoken. I pray, oh God, that you'd anoint their faith. Oh, take what's in your hand, child. 
take what's in your heart. Take that word that you've already, that's already been instilled in you from the day you were born. Your mother had taught you it. Your father taught you it. Your pastor and your preachers preached it to you. Take what you've already got and whip that enemy in your life. Take that ox go. Take that slingshot. Take that stick. Take that little bit of faith and raise your hand up and say, God, anoint what little bit I have because the anointing makes the difference. The anointing makes the difference. Anoint my faith to believe it, oh God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord Jesus. I believe it for every person, every life listening in. Lord, those that are here. Father, all the hands that are raised, oh God. You said, I am with you. And I know you by name. And I've called you. I've chosen you. I've anointed you for a job. You've got a purpose in your life. You've got to get off that roundabout. You've got to get on the line. You've got to get on the path. You've got to step out of that rut of life. And say, God, show me my purpose. Show me my vision, Lord. Show me what you're calling me to, God. Let me let me have a vision. And let me hold that vision ever before me. Let me live in that vision. Let me step into that vision. Let me walk into that promise. Don't let it just be a promise that I quote or that I believe. Let it become a reality, oh God, to me in my life. Let it become a vision that I believe that I can step in and walk in, oh God. Would you grant it, Lord, I pray. No. no. 